Thank you, choir. Open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 2 as we've been spending some extended time uh, in this chapter looking at a series of messages that we're calling Lessons for Life uh, from Luke chapter 2. And we'll be there again next week. It will be there uh, probably a couple times into the new year before we go back to finish up our study in Philippians. Luke chapter 2, I'll be reading this morning beginning at verse number 8. Luke chapter 2, verse number 8. The Bible says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. What a remarkable account of scripture we have before us today. A story that we've heard and read over and over through the years. And yet it's a story that never grows old. Rather than coming in power and Great glory, the Lord Jesus came as a baby. Old Scroggy said, they all were looking for a king to slay their foes and lift them high. Thou camest a little baby thing that made a woman cry. You know, you think about it, beloved, we get excited at the birth of a baby. We adults even sometimes lose our own intelligence and dignity as we act in certain ways and say certain things to get a response from that baby. You know, coochie coo and all those good things. (laughs) Friends and family, they flock to the hospital to get a glance at the new addition. She looks like her mama. No, no, she looks like her daddy. I don't know who she looks like. Are you sure you got the right one? And on and on the talk goes. And how excited mom and dad are to get to send out those birth announcements. Uh, Many times with a photograph included on that birth announcement. You know, we had a little girl named Susie Sunshine. She weighs seven pounds, was 20 inches long, 10 fingers, 10 toes, blonde, curly hair and the prettiest nose. You know, they're excited about those things. It's a happy, rejoicing time. Always enjoy going and visiting uh, uh, the newest member of the family, even in our church family, as, as babies come along. But, you know, long ago, there was another birth. And this birth was not the normal run-of-the-mill birth, if you will. A a virgin gave birth to a boy named Jesus, the Messiah, God in the flesh, Emmanuel with us. But there were no nurses and there were no doctors. Uh, It seems there may not have even been any extended family present. It seems that perhaps it was only Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, and probably a few animals nearby. 
But you know what? A birth announcement went out that evening, and that birth announcement was addressed to a very unlikely group of individuals. Look again there at verse 8. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. You can understand that, can't you? I can't. As the angel appears, the glory of the Lord. Verse 10, the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know, the more I study the word of God, the more I study the Bible, the more convinced I become of just how much God loves common, regular folks. You know, 1 Corinthians 1, 25 to 29 says this. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. Here the announcement is made to a group of shepherds. Have you ever wondered why God chose to address the shepherds with this birth announcement? I mean, in all reality, God could have sent this announcement or this angel and these angels to any group anywhere, any person anywhere. But why did he choose to send the announcement to the shepherds? I found it interesting what Max Licato wrote concerning that question. He said, blessed are the meek, Jesus explained. Blessed are the available. Blessed are the conduits, the tunnels, the tools. That's why the announcement first went to the shepherds. They didn't ask God if he was sure he knew what he was doing. Had the angel gone to theologians, they would have first consulted their commentaries. Had he gone to the elite, they would have looked to see if anyone was watching. Had he gone to the successful, they would have first looked at their calendars. So he went to the shepherds, men who didn't have a reputation to protect or an axe to grind or a ladder to climb. Men who didn't know enough to tell God that angels don't sing to sheep. And that messiahs aren't found wrapped in rags and sleeping in a feed trough. You see, these humble men heard and received this glorious announcement that the birth of the Messiah had taken place. Now, this story offers many, many lessons for us today, and we'll consider several of them. But allow me to give you the overreaching, the overarching lesson I want you to take home with you today. You know, we're learning lessons for life from Luke chapter 2. Last week from Mary and Joseph, we learned what? To trust God in the difficulties of life. Trust God in the difficulties of life. Now, today I want to impress this upon your hearts here from this this passage of these shepherds. Are you ready? Be open to God in the monotony of life. Be open to God in the monotony of life. Now, that may seem a bit strange to you. But I think before we're done today, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Let's put it all together and consider the shepherds today. Notice, first of all, they received the message while they were working. Look again at verse 8. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, doing what? Keeping watch over their flock by night. What were they doing when the angel appeared? They were doing what shepherds do. They were watching the sheep. They were guarding the sheep. They were protecting the sheep. Now, there are several things you need to understand about shepherds during this time. 
Uh, One scholar said their reputation was lowly at best. And religious people, they snubbed and ignored shepherds. You know why? Well, they were despised because they were unable to attend services and keep the ceremonial laws of washing and cleansing. Why? Their flocks just kept them too busy. They couldn't take the time off from watching over those sheep, those flocks to to, to do these things. Uh, Somebody else said shepherding. Listen, shepherding was the lowest position on the economic and cultural ladder. Shepherds were seen as untrustworthy. Think about that. This is the bottom of the barrel. This is as low as you could go, according to this scholar, on the economic ladder and also the cultural ladder. Their life certainly was not easy. Think about it. In fact, we could even say it was downright dangerous. Remember what David said in the Old Testament when he wanted to go out and face Goliath, the Philistine? Here's what he said in 1 Samuel 17. David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. He was shepherding. He was a shepherd. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And David says, I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, listen, I called him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing it defy the armies of the living God. I don't know about you, but you, if you picture David just as someone sitting up a heart playing music, and he was a wonderful, wonderful poet. And, and that, but listen, here's a man who went out and chased down a bear and a lion, and, and, and he, he, he caught him by the beard and slew him. Now, I'll be honest with you, he's more of a man than I am. I would have said, hey, enjoy your meal, you know? <laughs> We could say shepherding is dangerous. It was not an easy life. But think about today, beloved, the monotony of their profession. That is the sameness. Now, sure, there may be the occasional excitement of a lion or a bear or a wolf or something. But a lot of time it was just sheep, sheep and more sheep. And over here, sheep, sheep and more sheep. Day after day after day, sheep, sheep and more sheep. Now, I chose that word monotony. Because that's what we often face in our own lives. Now, you may not call it monotony. Some may describe it this way. You might describe another day, another dollar. You may refer to it as the grind. You may refer to it as the routine. The same, same old, same old. You know what I'm talking about. Whatever you choose to call it. It's the stuff that life is mostly made up of. The routine stuff. School and work and work and school. Bills, budgets and bottles. Dishes, diets and diapers. Homework and homework. Stuff that doesn't seem that exciting nor rewarding. The stuff that you sometimes think, I just need to get through this so I can really have some excitement. So I can really begin to live. The monotony of life. James Dobson in his book, The Straight Life, or or Straight Talk to Men... He calls it the straight life. He defines his terms. He says the straight life for a homemaker is washing dishes three hours a day. It's cleaning sinks and scouring toilets and waxing floors. It's chasing toddlers and mediating fights between preschool siblings. One mother said she had raised three tricycle motors and they had worn her out. The straight life is driving your station wagon to school and back 23 times per week. It's grocery shopping and baking cupcakes for the class Halloween party. The straight life for a working man is not much simpler. It is pulling your tired frame out of bed five days a week, 50 weeks out of the year. It is earning a two-week vacation in August and choosing a trip that will please the kids. 
The straight life is spending your money wisely when you rather indulge in the new whatever. It is taking your son bike riding on Saturday when you want so badly to watch the baseball game. It's cleaning out the garage on your day off after working 60 hours the prior week. The straight life is coping with head colds and engine tune-ups and crabgrass and income tax forms. It's taking your family to church on Sunday when you've heard every idea the minister has to offer. It is giving a portion of your income to God's work when you already wonder how ends will meet. And then he talks about what about those working moms who are balancing home responsibilities and children and homework and all these things. What about single parents? Our hearts go out to you this morning as you have all these things upon you. And the straight life gets challenging. It gets heavy. The monotony of life gets bearing down upon you. And I say to you, beloved, be open to God. In the monotony of life, he mentions dangers that come, voices that come. Speaking primarily from the from the uh, on the subject of marriage, he mentions four voices that cry out, calling people from what he calls the straight life. First of all, pleasure, the pursuit of pleasure, and 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 deviating from the the right kind of life, the straight life, to pursue pleasure. For ladies, he says, often it's romanticism. It's that longing for romance and and deviating at times, falling into sin because of that. For for men, oftentimes, it's extramarital sexual relations and deviating from the straight life, the right life, the God-honoring life into those things. And then fourthly, the ego needs. That is, giving up these wonderful things, even though they, they grind at times with the right kind of life, seeking to find fulfillment and satisfaction through building up of the ego. Beloved, if we're not careful... If we're not careful and if we're not walking closely with our God and finding our fulfillment in him, our satisfaction in him, our purpose in him, our meaning in him, we're in real danger of throwing away everything for the pleasure of sin for a season. We must be open, obedient and faithful to our God in the monotony of life. Day after day, week after week, it was sheep, 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 and more sheep. For us, it's something else. You probably saw yourself as I was reading his description. It was tiring even reading it for me as we think about these things. But I want you to know we need to be open to God in the monotony of life. And that begins, first of all, with knowing God. That is Being a child of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. The angel said in verse 10, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, even us this morning. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's the reason he came. He came that he might save us, that he might redeem us, that he might purchase our pardon. And friend, if you're here today. And you're struggling through life and you're wondering, what is the purpose of my life? What is the meaning of my life? How can I find significance? Listen, it's in a person named Jesus Christ. And if you'll come today repenting of your sin and taking it by faith, he'll save you. He'll give you a home in heaven and he'll bless your life in a wonderful way as God works to make you more and more like Jesus. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you today to receive the greatest gift. You'll ever receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It begins there. But these these shepherds here were doing the same old, same old. And that night long ago, they were doing their job. They were fulfilling their duty. And it was there that God sent his message to them.
If you think about Scripture, they're not alone. Elisha was out plowing a field when God called him. Moses was shepherding when he came to the burning bush. David was keeping the flock, his father's sheep, when he was called out of the field to be anointed king. What about the disciples, those who were busy in their fishing occupation when Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In the midst of the monotony of life, God spoke to them. In the midst of the routine of life, going through what they've been doing over and over, they were open to God's voice and God spoke to them. I want to say to you, friend, what is it that God wants to say to you as you labor in the same old, same old? Uh, How is he fashioning you and molding you and shaping you in the monotony of life, in the grind of life, in the routine of life? Listen, be sensitive to God's voice. Be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Bring your life before me and say, Lord, what is it you want me to learn? What is it you want to teach me in the midst of this life you've given me? Be open to God in the monotony of life. They received the message while they were working. Now, notice, secondly, they received the message by faith. Look at verse 15. It came to pass as the angels were going away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Now, notice if is not in that verse. It does not say let's go and see if these things, let's go and see these things that come to pass. They receive the message by faith. One person said the shepherds have more insight and understanding than many theologians have, for they recognize that the message of the angels was the word of the Lord. They realized that God had spoken to them through that angel. They realized that God had sent them a message and they received that message by faith. And notice, thirdly, they responded to that message by faith. They said, let us now go. They didn't put it off. They didn't say, well, you know, we got an opening next week. I'll take some time off later on and go. They didn't just talk about it. They went. Verse 16 says they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and they found that babe lying in a manger. They quickly went. They didn't waste time. Let me ask you this. Do you respond to God's word in that way? When you hear the word of God preached, proclaimed, taught, when you read God's word for yourself and you see clear instruction to God's word, do you debate or do you obey the word of God? When God speaks, we should respond just as these shepherds did. We're to move quickly with haste to obey the word of the Lord. And then I want you to notice that they went and they found the babe just as it had been told them. They, they received the message while working. They received the message by faith. They responded in faith. Notice, fourthly, they told others about the message and the Messiah. They told others about the message and the Messiah. And when they had seen it, verse 17 says, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things upon them in her heart. And the shepherds returned. Notice how they returned. They returned changed. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had what? They had heard and seen. And as it was told unto them. They received the message by faith, responded in faith. And they told others about the message And the Messiah. Now, this is where we often fall short. We, too, those of us who are Christians, we, too, have met Jesus. 
With the eyes of faith, we have seen him, yet we fail to tell others about him. We have lost the simplicity of the shepherds. We need to praise the Lord and tell others of all that we've seen, heard, believed and witnessed. Throughout this entire Christmas season, there should have there should be a a word on our lips for the Lord Jesus. We should be sharing the good news during this most wonderful time of the year. Let us rejoice. Let us praise. Let us witness. Let us tell others the good news. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. You know, in the monotony of life, no doubt you're there with other people. A co-worker. A schoolmate, maybe a neighbor. They're going through what we might call the monotony of life. But friend, many of them are going through without Jesus. And God has placed you there among them. And God has graced you with his glorious grace in saving you and making you a child. And he's placed you there to shine brightly for him. He's placed you there to be an example, an ambassador for Christ. He's placed you there to be a witness and a testimony for Christ. Are you telling others the message? Are you telling others about the Messiah? Are you telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ? Be open to God in the monotony of life. Tomorrow it begins again. And as you roll out of bed in the morning and you begin again, will you be open to God? Will you be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Will you be open for divine appointments? People that God brings across your path or you come across their paths. And the door of opportunity is there to speak for Christ. Will you be sensitive as you open and read your Bible in the morning and as you pray saying, Lord, what do you want me to learn today? How can I serve you today? You see, if you'll live your life in this way. A lot of that grind and monotony and hardness eases away from the monotony of life. And life can become exciting. It can become an adventure as you realize that God is working and you're in partnership with him as you live your life day by day, week by week, month by month and year by year as an ambassador for Christ. That begins, first of all, with knowing Jesus. Do you know him? And it begins, secondly, I believe, with bringing these things to him and saying, Lord, here's my life. Sharing the struggles, the heartaches, the hardships, the rough days, the good days, the glorious days. Say, Lord, I know you're in control. Use my life for your glory. Use me where I am. Help me to bloom where I'm planted. Be open to God in the monotony. Of life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? And as we close, I wonder if there's someone among us who'd say, you know what, preacher? I don't know for certain that my sin is forgiven. I don't know for certain that Jesus is my Savior. I, I, I don't have the assurance that if I die today, I'd have my eyes in heaven. But I sure want to have that. And I sure want to know Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Well, friend, I've got great news. He's waiting. And if you'll cry out today of repentance and faith, he will receive you and cleanse you and make you a child of God.
Today you can receive the greatest gift you've ever received. And I want to invite you in a moment. We're going to sing in closing a song. And I want to invite you when we do that. To step out where you are and come. and Take my hand and say, listen, I, I want to talk to someone about Jesus. I want to know him. We'll pray you of someone who can explain and answer any questions you have. And you can leave here today, friend, a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Listen, my brothers and sisters in Christ, are you struggling in the monotony of life? Are you struggling in the routine, the job, the family, the homework, the whole nine yards? He cares. He's there with you. Today, as we close this service, why don't you come and kneel at this altar and say, Lord, I give you my life afresh and anew. And I want to partner with you and I want to be used by you. And I want to shine brightly. I want to be open to your leading in my life. And I believe you have a purpose and I believe you're working and I believe you want to use me. And I want to be used. And just come today and lay those burdens down and say, Lord, you know the struggles I'm facing, but I give them to you. And I pray that you help me be open to you in the monotony of life. Would you come today when we sing in a moment? And would you do that? Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for reaching out to those considered by others lowly, untrustworthy, and unworthy. And yet they're the ones you sent the announcement to. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. Father, I pray today, if anybody's here that does not know Jesus, they'll come and talk to someone about Christ. And they'll place their faith totally and completely in him. I pray for brothers and sisters in Christ today that are struggling. I pray, as we sing in a moment, that they'll come and do what the song says. Tell you. They'll tell Jesus. And lay those burdens down. Work in this invitation, I pray. In the Savior's name. Amen.